Our scripture reader today is John Borgen, and he is going to be reading uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. In honor of God's word, uh, please stand. Listen as I read. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become pitchers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Um, so, if you are a regular part of our church family, um, I think that it's right to say that what the plan is for our, our, uh, this next window of time is, is a little different um, than anything I've done, at least in the last 10 years. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to be spending some time here in this passage and uh, some, some ideas that, uh, that I think uh, align with what Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 1. Uh, but then we're going to turn our attention and have a little bit of a family talk. And, uh, you know, the challenge in northern Michigan is when, you know, when do you have a family talk when fall is coming and it's the summer? Uh, and, and, you know, we all know how much we travel and uh, the disruptions and the distractions that exist. And so we're going to do it today, uh, seeing that next Sunday is uh, kind of the restart of a number of things. And uh, we're going to talk about it uh, here. If you're not part of our church family, we, we, you know, we're, we're glad you're here. And uh, we invite you into the little family talk uh, that we're going to have. So... <clears throat> We're going to revisit some language, and uh, some of this language, I think, you're going to find, if, you're, if, you, if this is your church home, you're going to find it to be pretty familiar, uh, and, and it's, it's also possible that you've, you've never heard it before, ever. I'm going to use a term, and the term is, is whole gospel. And what I mean by whole gospel is this effort to try to understand the fullness of what Jesus is talking about. Uh, what this good news about Jesus is. I, I, my hope is that from this little bit of time that we spend here off the bat, uh, that just in these few minutes, that we actually have a more beautiful, a, a deeper sense in which we grasp the gospel of Jesus. And a lot of scholars and authors and pastors have written about the gospel this way. Uh, they've talked about this gospel from kind of what you might think of as three aspects or three perspectives. And uh, what, the reason I chose Mark 1 as our scripture reading is, you know, Jesus shows up on the scene uh, in Mark's gospel. You know, Mark cuts right to the chase. Mark does not mess around. He's, you know, he's a short, relatively short gospel, and uh, his, his, his pace moves really fast. And if you look at Mark chapter 1, <clears throat> you see that Jesus gets baptized, Jesus gets tempted, and then Jesus starts preaching. And Jesus' first words that Mark gives us are found in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That Mark, that's, that's the first thing Mark gives us out of, out of Jesus' mouth. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, at our church, uh, we have been accused, and that's a good accusation, of talking about the gospel a lot. And uh, we're not really sorry about that. We're, we're glad we do it. But we recognize that there could be confusion. Like, what, what, what is the gospel? And talking about the gospel as the whole gospel is one way to help flesh it out. It's one way to try to, as a collective group, as a group of people, maybe uh, if you call this church your home, um, to, to kind of know what is it that we're talking about when we say this as, as a church. So what, what is the whole gospel? What does Jesus mean by repent and believe the gospel? What has, it has more fullness, I think, than a lot of us, uh, especially if you've been exposed to the gospel for a long time. And I think these three aspects uh, invite some, some, some they, they, they bring clarity, they broaden it, they deepen it, they do all kinds of things. So three, three things. The gospel of the cross. The gospel of the cross. Uh, the gospel of the cross is one way to look at the work of Jesus, the good news about Jesus, and to understand it as the historical truth about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to pay for our sins. Uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. And Paul gives us like, almost like bullet points. Like, this is the gospel. This is what happened. This is what the scriptures say. And it's, very, it's, it's, it's like almost data-driven. It's, it's truth statements. 
And the gospel of the cross invites us to realize the content of the gospel, the content of our salvation. To describe this aspect of the gospel, we, we could say, if you were going to use a movie genre, you would say that the gospel of the cross is a tragedy. The, the gospel of the cross is a, is a bloodstained story of suffering. It shows the incredible price of sin, what is needed for humans to be justified, to be declared right. And this is the, 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 the aspect or the, the primary reality of Jesus going to the cross to die as a substitute, to die as a payment for sin. Jesus died as a sacrifice for sin so that I could be forgiven. This is the good news of the gospel. It's one, one, one aspect of it. Another aspect of the gospel, second aspect, would be what you could call the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom says that we have a true and better king who is bringing his perfect kingdom. If you notice in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And so uh, as Jesus talks, he references this kingdom of his, invites us into the big story of the world. It invites us into the fact that the picture, you know, we have a temptation always to, to narrow the scope, to have the blinders come in, and for us to almost be overwhelmed by the reality of this moment, of the trial that you're facing, the hardship that you're going through, the difficulty of the last 18 months. It, it's, it's easy for that, that to just get so, so narrow. The gospel of the kingdom tears those blinders off and invites us into this grand story of the world. This, this guarantee that God, God is at work and, and his kingdom is at hand. His kingdom is going to come in full. And this is good news. If the cross would be a tragedy, a movie that's a, a tragedy, then the gospel of the kingdom is like an action movie. It's, it's a, a picture of a, uh, it's like a war movie of a story of victory and advancement. And this, this reality that when Jesus in Matthew 28 said to his disciples, I want you to take the gospel all over the world, to the ends of the earth, everywhere. Like, it's happening. It's happened. You know, Traverse City is the ends of the earth. Jesus, Jesus was standing somewhere when he said that. He was standing in Jerusalem. And here we are in Traverse City, Michigan, and the gospels made it here. The, the story of the advancement of the gospel around this globe is incredible, but it's not done. The kingdom of God is at hand, and the kingdom of God is going to come in full. And that incredible idea of shalom, it's going to be restored. You know, if you attend here regularly, you know that one of our favorite ways to talk about what happened in Genesis 3, when sin showed up, is the vandalism of shalom. Well, the gospel of the kingdom reminds us that God's going to fix that. That God has this putting it right project. And, and he's, he's about that work in the world and he's going to bring it to fulfillment. Jesus will set up his perfect sinless kingdom. This is the good news of the gospel. The third aspect you could call the gospel of grace. And this is the message that tells us that we are, not, we are, that we are accepted not because of anything we did, but because of Jesus alone. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 2 here, classic verses that tell us, For by grace you have been saved by faith, not of your works, lest anyone would boast. This is the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus did the work for us. We say it all the time here, all you need is need. You need to recognize what Jesus has done for you. You need to recognize what he provides for you, what he offers. This gospel of grace helps us to understand that we are loved you could maybe say that this aspect of the gospel is more experiential or even existential. It's, it's relational. And, and this aspect of the gospel invites us into the relational God. So if the cross is a tragedy, this blood-stained story of suffering and tragedy, and the kingdom is an action movie of, vi of victory and advancement, then grace is a drama. Grace is a, is a, is a love story. It's a story of, of, of love, of adoption, of substitution. And this helps us understand the idea of being redeemed, of being bought back. Someone paid our debt as a free gift. It also invites us to see that we didn't earn our redemption, that we are bought back and we're also brought back to God into right relationship. The Bible uses the term reconciliation. 
That's, that's this idea of a, re, of a relationship that was once severed is now restored. And, and the work of Jesus brings to bear this grace, this message full of grace. We are saved by grace. We do not earn it. We do not deserve it. This is also the good news of the gospel. And if you can take all three of these aspects and remind yourself, we're not talking about three gospels. We're talking about three aspects of one glorious gospel. This one glorious gospel that is just too big for us to rightly comprehend it from a single angle. God can see all three of these angles simultaneously, but we need to, like, to turn it and to spin it and to look at it and gaze upon it from each of these angles and let them sink into our heart. Sometimes we say that the gospel is like a swimming pool, and it's so shallow that anyone can get in it, even a child. But it is so deep that no one will ever touch the bottom. And these, these aspects of the gospel allow us to see the simplicity of the message, but be blown away by the fact that it is, it's going to take all of eternity for us to grasp it. John Frame, uh, one of the scholars that's done some work uh, in this, on this three-perspective uh, idea, he said, if you drill into any one of these three aspects, you find all the others. You see, it's not three separate gospels. It's one gospel but it's a helpful way for our limited minds to be able to consider the broadness and the bigness. The Bible gives us one glorious gospel, and Peter actually makes this little comment in one of his letters, and he says the angels can't get enough of it. They can't stop gazing at it. Like, they're, they're stunned by it. If the angels are stunned by it, shouldn't we be? If the angels have been, they've had access to this for a long, long time. We've been at it for what? A couple years? A couple decades? We should be blown away by it too. The whole gospel. Well, why do we need it? I've hinted at it a few times, but let me go at it from this perspective. What happens if we only emphasize one aspect? Maybe you look at your, uh, at your life, at your story, and you, three, you see those three aspects of the gospel, and you're like, man, I think, I think my exposure to the gospel is really only one of those. Well, let, let's think about for a minute what it would be or how it would play out if we only focused on one. If we only emphasize the cross, the danger is that we land in dogmatism. Now, I, I see why the cross has gotten so much press. I, the, the, you know, the, more the, the truth statements, the content of the gospel. I understand why it's gotten so much press. It's pivotal. The, the fact that Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins is absolutely necessary. However, history has shown that those who put blinders on and think of the gospel only in terms of the cross often end up prioritizing accuracy or doctrine, but can really struggle with joy. This is part of my own story, my own journey with Jesus. This can lead to a lot of knowing with very little doing and very little enjoying of God. Kind of like heads that are filled with knowledge, but hands that are idle and hearts that are cold. You see this in, in, in more fundamentalistic, uh, or fundamental, uh, fundamentalist uh, circles. What happens if we only emphasize the, the gospel of the kingdom? Well, the danger there is that we end up with this social activism. We, we see the call and the need to be the hands of feet uh, in, of Jesus in the world. We see that God is about this putting it right project to fight oppression, to help the poor. And those things are so, so good. But if that becomes the primary message, then we lose sight of the severe problem of sin. That the problem of sin is bigger than us. What about the problem of sin in your own heart? If sin has infected the world, then our Putting It Right project, our social action, won't be enough. This can lead to a lot of doing with little knowing of God or little enjoying of God. And not always, but sometimes you see this in more of the mainline denominations. Third, what happens if we only emphasize grace? Well, there's a danger of sentimentalism. This emphasis by itself becomes focused on your experience. Our service and our spiritual activities become about us more than Jesus or those we're trying to serve. And when we only emphasize grace, then sometimes we're caught with this question of like, what makes me feel good? What, what, what makes me free? And this can lead to enjoying God, you might say, 
with very little doing or knowing. The, the concept of sacrificial obedience, the idea of saying no to yourself, they, they, these ideas can be hard to grasp. You might be unwilling to do hard things. You might believe that God would never want his kids to suffer. You might believe that a child of God doesn't wear rags. You ever heard that? Child of God doesn't wear rags. You, you see this a lot in, in maybe in the, in the prosperity gospel circles. Not, not all the time. Um, but but these, these are ways in which maybe it just helps you flesh this out a little bit as you have experienced maybe aspects of your walk with Jesus where you feel like, well, I know they, they, they've got some truth there. They've got some of the gospel there, but it seems like they're a little sideways or it seems like I'm a little sideways. This is a helpful way to evaluate, to ask questions, for us to analyze and, and critique our own church, our own walk with Jesus, to ask the questions of how well are we living out all three of these aspects. Just like John Frame said, if you drill into any one of them, you'll find all three of them. You see, we're not talking about balance. We're talking about fullness. It's not 33% cross, 33% kingdom, 33% grace. Like we don't have to be afraid of any of them. What we want to do is welcome all of them and pursue the fullness and the beauty of this whole gospel. Now, what does this whole gospel do then? When we hear and respond to the gospel, as we heard Jesus say, repent and believe the gospel, Jesus immediately turns in verses 16 through 18. He's walking through, uh, walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. And I uh, just saw my, my friends, Bart and Pat, who took, uh, Ben and I got to go to the Holy Land with them a few years ago. And we got to walk by the Sea of Galilee. Um, and so Jesus is here. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. Follow me. And they drop everything and do it. And then if you keep reading, he does it with another. They, they drop everything and do it. And so there's this, this proclamation of repent and believe the gospel. When Jesus actually interacts with human beings about that, his, his, his idea is, like, follow me. Like, give up your agenda and follow me. What, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, what does it mean to, to, to actually hear this gospel news and respond to it? Well, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he actually has the audacity to say that if you put your faith in Jesus, if you hear the gospel and you actually believe it, it changes you in a fundamental way. He actually says you're a new creation. When Jesus is talking with uh, someone in John chapter 3 named Nicodemus, Nicodemus is the, the most moral of the most moral. He's killing it. His resume is so, so good. And he says to Jesus, like, I, I think you're talking about something I don't have. How, how can I get that? Like, how can I add that to my resume? And Jesus' answer is not, oh, Nicodemus, you're so close. Let's just polish you up a little bit. No, he says you have to be born again. It has to be a total rebuild. You, you've built your life on the wrong thing. And so this call of Jesus to repent and believe the gospel, to follow him, is this recognition that when we come to Jesus, he's done something incredible in us. He's actually made us new. See, this gospel does not just change what we believe. It changes who we are. We are called to respond to Jesus's words, follow me. Repent and believe the gospel. We are called to respond to that news. And when we do, it changes who we are. We, we want this gospel news to saturate us so that we live out our full identity as followers of Jesus. And I'm not going to go through these, but maybe you know our logo. Uh, the, one of the O's in our logo is a, is a fingerprint. I guess it's a thumbprint. Is a thumb a finger? I'm not sure. But it's a, it's a, it's a fingerprint. And, um, and the reason why that is in our logo is because as a church, we don't want to forget our identity. We don't want to forget that Jesus has something to say about our identity. And often we use five words uh, to kind of orient us to this, this reality of what Jesus does in us. That Jesus makes us worshipers, learners, family, missionaries, and servants. And when you, when you begin to un, un, unpack the New Testament, you see what is it that Jesus does in the life of a person. He gives them this new identity as his children. 
And his children function in this way as worshipers, learners, family, missionary, and servants. So, as we think about the next four months, um, there's a little phrase that I've heard a few different times in a few different settings, but it is um, getting back to better. And that phrase is almost always used, maybe you've heard it too, it's almost always used in contrast to the idea of getting back to normal. And, and, and the idea is, was normal that great? Was, was normal working that well? Maybe the opportunity with all the disruption of COVID is to actually say, maybe this is uh, not that we would have ever asked for these last 18 months, but maybe this is a way in which God actually disrupts us enough to ask better questions about what it is to be a church, about what it is to be a follower of Jesus, about what my life looks like and how I should use the resources that God has given to me. Like, what if instead of getting back to normal, the commitment was to get back to better? Because I do think that the previous normal had some real problems. Had some real problems in our broader culture. We had some real problems here at our, at our church. And I think the last 18 months have revealed some of those problems uh, in a way that is uh, sometimes hard to, hard to admit. So what if at Sojourn, instead of getting back to normal, we got back to better? Well, let's have a little family talk. I know you want to do that. So um, here's the reality check. Uh, I already said this, but things, things were not so great before March 2020. Um, there, there's a, a number of ways in which I look at the, 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 the ministry that our church was having in the community and our church was having in the broader culture. And not all of the data points are concerning, but, but some of them were. And, and one, if you were part of our leadership team, you know that uh, this began to be a concern at, at, uh, uh, before COVID ever hit. Was, why, why is our baptistry so dry? Like, why, why, why aren't more people coming to faith? Why, why aren't more people coming to faith and going public with their faith? Why, why, is, why are we not having baptisms all the time? Shouldn't that be happening like, at a much higher rate of frequency than it was? Uh, there were some areas of our, of our ministry, like our community groups and some other places that were really, really suffering, really, really struggling before COVID ever hit. So if you could hit a button and go back to March 8th, 2020, um, we, we had a lot of problems on March, March 8th, you know, and the world shut down after that and we didn't have church on March 15th. Like, I get it. Uh, but we had problems uh, before COVID ever landed. Having said that, COVID has disrupted us to a level that is still not really fully known. Um, we are in one service right now, uh, and it's, it's wonderful to, to be together and to have this time. Um, but I think you know that before COVID hit, uh, this was basically the attendance at one service. And, uh, and so the, the, the journey towards how many people still call Sojourn home, uh, how many people have kind of given up on church attendance uh, in general, how many people maybe over the course of COVID realize that they don't want to have a relationship with Jesus? Uh, there, there's a lot of questions there that we do not have uh, fully answered. And I, I actually don't know that we're going to know for a few more months. But as we enter the fall of 2021, uh, there are a few stats. And, and I know stats can't tell us everything, but there are a few stats that we want to keep our eyes on. And, and the stats that we're looking at are one, one is baptisms. How is God at work in the, in the hearts and lives of people in regard to going public in their faith, with their faith? Number two, total number of volunteers. It, it's a good way in a, in a world, a lot, of, a lot of church consultants have suggested uh, that the changes that have come with COVID are going to be long-lasting. The idea of watching live stream instead of attending your church or picking and choosing what church you want to watch live stream instead of being part of a single local church. Uh, the idea that you may have just said, man, I tried church for a long time, never really felt connected, like COVID was my off-ramp, and I'm not going back. Like, there, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of unknown things about how it's going to impact. And one of the possible uh, data points that helps us understand what kind of a nucleus, what kind of a church family we have, is a total number of volunteers. Uh, people that have signed the dotted line and said, I, I'm, I'm ready to serve. So baptisms, total number of volunteers, and then what we're going to call regular givers. 
So it's not about the amount. It's just about the, the, the regular, the habitual nature of, of financially partnering uh, with, with our church. And so over the course of these next months, uh, those are going to be things that we want to share with you at, at, at our members meetings and, and in, in Sojourn Weekly on occasion, just inviting you in to be able to celebrate or to be able to pray or, or do both uh, about the, those ways in which God is at work in our congregation. Uh, if one of the identities that God builds into his people is the identity of being a servant, then we certainly think that we should be volunteering, not just at Sojourn, but, but in, in our community. If one of the identities is missionary, then we certainly think people should be coming to faith and, by God's grace, going public uh, with, with their faith. And then the financial commitment is just, it's, that's part of being a family. That's, that's part of how, how this, this, uh, this works. Um, and, and it's worked this way for a really, really long time. And I'll, I'll talk more about giving here in just, just a second. I know you wanted me to, so I will. <clears throat> But if you think about those three stats, baptism, volunteers, and regular givers, all three of those numbers have reduced since, since March of 2020 at, at, our, at our local church, uh, all three of them. We've had far less baptisms. Um, our, number, our volunteer numbers have dwindled dramatically, and we've had some uh, really great partners uh, that have been part of our church for a long time transition, leave churches. Uh, some moved uh, away, but uh, several are not attending our church anymore. And so all three of those stats, baptism, volunteers, and regular givers, they've, they've all reduced uh, over the course of, of 2020, and some of them pretty dramatically. So the next four months, uh, we are going to try, uh, what, what we're going to do is going to require an extraordinary amount of energy uh, from, from quite a few of us. Uh, the, the, the little word picture I've been using is it, it's just going to take a lot of fuel to get the plane back in the air. Uh, if you don't know, our, our church took COVID, uh, especially before the vaccines were available. We, we, we took COVID very, very seriously. Uh, we uh, did our best to honor Michigan's uh, state mandates. And uh, so even though it feels like COVID started a long time ago, and it did, you know, we just took our masks off in this service uh, at, uh, in June. And we just went back to full seating capacity uh, at the end of June or the beginning of July. And so it's only been a few weeks that we have not had masks and seating capacity uh, limitations. And so we are, we are in the phase of like, can we get the plane back in the air? Now, God has been super gracious, and there's been ministry happening, and you, many of you have told me stories of conversations, uh, neighbors, coworkers, friends, uh, that you have been able to, uh, that th this season has actually opened up doors for you to share your story, to put, put your hope in Christ and, and share that with them. And so uh, we're not saying that Jesus quit working uh, over the course of this window of time, but we're saying as a church, as a local church, uh, we have really felt it. It's been a, it's been a, tough, uh, a tough 18 months, and it's going to be hard uh, to, get, to get the plane back in the air. So here's some needs. First of all, uh, prayer. And, you know, if you're not a church person or you're not a Christian, you might kind of roll your eyes at that. But I, ho I hope you're not rolling your eyes. Um, you know, we, we, we believe this with our whole heart that uh, as a church family, that we, uh, we, have, we, you know, we don't have any power in and of ourselves. Like, that, that's not how this works. Um, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3 says, you know, that it's not from us. The power is not from us. So it's, from, it's from the God of heaven. So, uh, so praying. We, we have a prayer time that meets every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Um, we, uh, we have uh, first Wednesdays. Uh, almost every first Wednesday of the calendar year, we have a time of, of prayer here in this room where we sing and pray. And uh, there's a, a few dozen people that come. But, man, we'd love to have more voices raised uh, to, uh, to, to cry out to God for the needs of our world and to, to praise him. And then the prayer room. Some of you might remember that we had some momentum going with a prayer room uh, that we call the loft. And the prayer room was supposed to launch somewhere very, very close to the, uh, to the start of COVID. And obviously, it put all of those plans on, on hold. Uh, but there were people working on the prayer room just, uh, just this week. And uh, we will be uh, inviting you into the rhythms of being able to have a place to come and pray, if that would serve you. So we need to pray. Secondly, uh, this one is on our leadership, but we, we need some clarity. Uh, we need some clarity specifically regarding our mission, uh, our vision, our mission, and our strategy. And uh, these are things that, um, that we would invite you to pray about and to, and to uh, yeah, lay, lay our, our elders before the Lord in that regard. Uh, one of the realities is that the world has changed, uh, and COVID real, uh, revealed some of the sad deficiencies 
in how our church was going about making disciples. Um, in, in some ways, you know, the, the, the levees didn't hold uh, over the course of these 18 months. And relationally, I know you felt it too, um, but it, it sure opens up the opportunity to ask questions about how are we trying to make disciples again? And it's like COVID's kind of the biggest test that we've ever had. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a letter grade. I don't know how we did. I wish I had a letter grade. But there's parts of the test that are concerning, for sure. And, uh, and we, we want to aim for and work for, towards some clarity there. Third, uh, staffing, uh, ministry leadership. Um, so uh, our kids' ministry, our students' ministry, our community groups, th- these are all areas that need leadership. Some of those will be paid. Some of those will be volunteer. Um, and we are aiming to, to, to work over the course of this fall to have things in place for January. Um, there's some important volunteer roles. The, there's various deacon roles that we are in need of filling that are sitting empty. And when deacon roles are empty, man, we are, we are missing some of like that. We look at deacons as our lead servants. They lead the way. They model to us. They teach us. They show us what a servant heart is like. And uh, when deacon roles are sitting empty, it, it, it hurts the whole body. Uh, then volunteers, man, in, in so many ways. I mean, basically everywhere. So in addition to these deacon roles, we need scripture readers. We need people on the worship team. We need people on the sound team. We need people on the coffee team. We need people that are willing to work the welcome table. You have to be an enjoyable person to do that. But you ha- we, need, we need people that are willing to do it. Um, safety team. Communion servers, greeters, you also have to be nice to do that. Um, ma- maintenance team, and then, uh, and then sojourn students, uh, which is uh, meeting on Wednesday nights and working with teenagers. But our most urgent uh, is sojourn kids. And so I'm going to take a minute here, and we're going to turn our attention directly to sojourn kids. Um, so I'm going to start with a couple stats, and then I'm going to give you some, some details. So in March of 2020, we had 98 uh, people at our church in the Sojourn Kids rotation. 98 people were, had gone through the back tra- background checks, had been approved as volunteers with Sojourn Kids. Um, Sojourn Kid volunteers in August of 2021, 27. So 71 people have either moved from Traverse City do not attend our church anymore, or, and I do believe that this is the biggest category, just we're looking at COVID, looking at their stage of life, and just said, I need to take a break. I need to step out. And so you can see how when we say something like, September 12th, Sojourn Kids is back from infant through fifth grade, it's kind of like a faith statement that we're saying that. So we are going to be doing it for the next few weeks. But if there's not a response from you, the congregation, to volunteer, then we're not sure how long we're going to be able to keep infant through fifth grade open. We'll keep Sojourn Kids at some level, but we'll have to make, we'll have to make some adjustments. So we need at least 50 volunteers in the rotation to offer Sojourn Kids at full strength for this fall. And I, I, this is an estimate, but it seems like we're going to need 70 by January to actually be able to offer that in a, in a way that does not destroy our, our volunteers. So it's no joke, but here's a way. Maybe you've been part of like fundraising things where they like break it down and you're like, oh, we can raise $20 million. So th- th- this is a little bit like that. Um, but here, here is a possible way that we could fill, fill for, we're, we're talking for the fall here. So we're not talking for a 10-year commitment. We're talking for a four-year, uh, <laughs> for a, four, uh, for a four, four month, a four-month commitment. So th- think about it like this. If we had 12 volunteers who said, for this fall, I can worship at a service and serve at a service. So basically, for the 15 weeks, you're willing to come to church at 9 o'clock and serve at 11. Or you're willing to serve at 9 o'clock and stay for worship at 11. If we had 12 people who were willing to do that. In addition, if we had another 12 people who were willing to serve twice a month. So eight times between now and uh, in the end of the year. And then if we had 24 volunteers who were all willing to serve just one time a month, if you put all three of those together, that's a total of 48 people, and that would be enough to, to cover the, the, the minimum slots that we need to, to, to run the kids' ministry. We also think it'd be great if we had like six to eight volunteers who might say, I don't really want to be on the schedule, but I would be willing to go through the process, get approved as a worker, and then be an emergency sub. So that if someone doesn't show up, uh, if there's a last-minute need, 
um, that there'd be a group of people that would be in that category too. If you're looking at this and being like, oh, I don't know, I don't like teaching kids or I'm not good at teaching kids, there's multiple roles. So one role is the role of what's called a coordinator. Uh, There's the check-in desk, which is uh, if you've checked your children in, you know there's a little computer out there. They print off the stickers. If you're wondering why some people walk around with stickers on, that's why. So there's the coordinator, there's check-in, and there is teachers. There are teachers. So those three roles are a little bit more preparation. But then there's a bunch of assistant roles. That, are like, like, that would be a, a notch down in regard to preparation. You're, you're there to, to, to love kids. You're there to support the teachers. You're there to be part of making the program work. Relatively low level of, of preparation, but super important. And so if you're saying, I don't think I could teach kids, that's fine. We, we need a ton of people who are willing to come in the room and to just be, uh, to be the assistants, to be the, the, the crowd control, to be the, the, the adult that gets to know kids' names and gets to spend time with them and gets to display to them the, the love of, of Jesus. So we need your help. And, uh, and I guess my invitation here would be consider which of these levels you'd like to commit to or that you'd be willing to commit to. And if we get 12 in those first two categories and 24 in that third category, uh, we're, we're, we're going to make it. And there's already people who have signed up for the first category, and I think for all three categories, actually. And so some of those slots are already taken, but we need, we need help. And I would say get creative. Think about carpooling. Think about spouses. You know, one spouse, uh, you know, worship as a family, and the other spouse stay for the second service. You know, there, there, there's creative ways to, to, to do it. You know, figure, maybe consider cloning yourself or something. Um, so there's, there's a group of people, I just want a couple more things about Sojourn Kids. There's a group of people that have kept Sojourn Kids going uh, over the course of COVID. And for a while, it was video and super creative ideas along that line. And then in the, uh, the pared down version over these last months uh, in person here. And Andrea McCarty, we said uh, thank you. And uh, we said thank you to her last week. She's rotating out. Um, as our, she was our interim kids director, but she's, she's rotating out of that role. And then Dave Lamb has been the primary staff person uh, that was overseeing that and a team of volunteers. So I, I just, I want to say thank you to all of you for enduring uh, a, a very, very hard season where there were a lot of uh, like 10 times more no's than there were yeses. And uh, it's very discouraging to try to do ministry in that window. So thank you for committing and not quitting and getting us to this moment. Uh, and so for this fall, uh, we actually are we're going to have three individuals who are each going to have, um, a t- they're each going to take a part of Sojourn Kids. And uh, the, that, that dynamic trio is going to make, make kids, uh, Sojourn Kids work for the next four months. And uh, we're super thankful for them. Uh, I'm even getting the opportunity to be on the Sojourn Kids leadership team over the next four or five months. And so uh, on, on the leadership level, we're, we're, we're hopeful. We have, I think we have good energy. We have some great ideas that I've heard flying around, and we're really thankful uh, for that. Uh, we've begun the process of looking for our next Sojourn Kids director, and we would love to see that person in place before the end of the year. But we need you. We, we, we need volunteers. If, if you don't know this, the way the local church has always worked is, is volunteer-heavy. And so it's like, yes, there's some people that get stipends. Yes, there's some people that get paid. Um, but the church lives and dies based on the congregation and the engagement of the congregation and the volunteering, uh, the, serving of, of, uh, the serving heart of the, of the congregation. So, so we need you. There is a sign-up table in the foyer. Uh, and they, the, kids were, the kids' leaders asked, even if you're already serving, if you would just go back there and confirm it, right, right, write your name down on the sheet and, uh, and, and let them know. Uh, if you are a previous volunteer and you're ready to jump back in, please go out there and, and let them know that. Uh, if you're a new volunteer and you're re- willing to jump in for the first time, there is a process for you to get approved as a Sojourn Kids worker. But that, you know, the sooner we start it, the better. And we actually have a, a free gift for you. So if you sign up to become a Sojourn Kids leader today... Um, yeah, there's, a, uh, there's a coffee mug out there and there is a coupon for a free Mundo's drink. And so, yeah, so let's, let's get rid of all of them. Let's all, all volunteer, right? It's worth it. Um, and that's, that's right out in, in the foyer. Uh, we have actually, we've ordered new Sojourn t-shirts, Sojourn Kids t-shirts. And so those, those will be available next week when we get things rolling. And we're just, uh, we are hopeful for, uh, for this next chapter. Uh, maybe you think this goes without saying, but our kids matter to us a lot. And one of the reasons why they matter to us is because they matter to God. You know, Jesus' uh, engagement with kids was one of the points of friction between him and his disciples. 
was his open-handedness and his eagerness to engage with kids. And so our, our prayer is that all of this disruption leads to a better Sojourn Kids ministry. I would say that that was always our desire, was year after year seeing Sojourn Kids continue to grow and develop. Uh, and here's, here's another opportunity to see that. Now, you might say kids' ministry is not your cup of tea. Well, look, fine. That, that, that's fine. But we need you to consider helping us rebuild and volunteering somewhere. Uh, we've used a phrase on and off over the last 10 years, and the phrase is gospel chores. Gospel chores. And what we're saying there is this. It is not a helpful way to think about your walk with Jesus and say, I only do things that give me life. That, 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 that's fine. But do you know how much you're going to edit out of what Jesus calls you to do in the world? I mean, when Jesus says, like, give up everything and follow me, you, you don't think there's a level of sacrifice there? You don't think there's a level of, of, of saying no to yourself? Think about any of Jesus's standards. Uh, there, there, there's quite a few of them that come to my mind that I have to actively tell myself no, that I'm actually saying, man, my heart wants to do that. And Jesus says not to do that. And so it's this, it's this willingness to do the hard thing, to actually let the Bible step on my toes, to actually get on my case and call me into things that maybe are not perfectly my, like my natural fit. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to do the thing you hate the most. I'm just saying, like, if you don't have a category for gospel chores, I need you to get a category for gospel chores, and I need you to get it like today. So... <clears throat> We need you to pitch in, uh, so please uh, find a place to serve. Here's um, a couple more needs, and then I'm going to give you some action steps. Financial partnership. Um, I know I made some jokes about our giving, but I actually shouldn't be joking about it because you, you know, God, God has stirred generosity in, in, the, in our church family in a really phenomenal way. Um, we, we have so much to be thankful for. And so as of like the end of August, we're 11% behind on budget. Um, but our budget was, uh, you know, was a, was a plan. It was a, a target. And as of right now, our financial needs are met. We have, we have more, you have, you have given more money than our expenses. And so we are thankful for that. As ministries get going, our expenses will pick up. That's our anticipation. And so, um, so if you are a financial partner, man, we thank you so much. And we have survived these 18 months in a really, I mean, there's been t multiple times where we've just all shook our head and been like, this is, this is incredible. Like, our church has been so faithful, so, so, much, to be, so much to be thankful for. Uh, but I would also say that our hearts are, as we look at the next season, to actually be bold and to be aggressive and actually take some risks. And you know, financial stability opens up some opportunities to, to, to do that. And so as a leadership team, we have some ducks that we've got to get in a row. Um, but man, we are, we are really excited about what the possibilities could be laying in front of us. And financial stability uh, opens up more opportunities. Consistency. Um, like, I don't know how else to say this, but before COVID hit, you know, the average church attendance was, uh, was I think, uh, four, four out of eight Sundays, something like that. And uh, that's not super consistent. That's 50%. Uh, you know, if you, you shoot free throws at 50%, like, that's, that's a, pretty bad, a pretty bad stat. And I just, as we move into the fall, like, I'm just, I'm asking you to consider what does, what does faithful, like, what does, does consistency look like? Uh, I just heard a guy use the term of, like, getting in your reps. Like, you, you want to get connected at Sojourn? You want, you want to make some friends? Like, get in your reps. Like, be here. Be here regularly, not to make us feel good about headcount, but for your own soul, for, 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 for the stability of, of your own soul, your own walk with Jesus. We, we believe that large group gathering, what we're doing right here, what we call gospel representation, like we believe it's essential for your soul. We don't believe it's the only thing, but we think it's an important piece. Uh, so I, I would call, call, to you, call you to consistency. Um, I would ask you to, to engage with people you know, and engage with people you don't know. I'd invite you to become a regular financial partner, and I'd ask you to, to jump in as, as a volunteer with, with consistency. So here's the deal. Our hope is to rebuild in a number of ways over the next 60 days. Then, share some updates with you at our, at our vision series in November, which we always do, and then based on where we are, be ready to go for it in January 2022. So the next 60 days uh, leads us up to, to November. The next four months leads us to the end of the year. And there's a lot of things that are going to be determined based on how, how these, this window of time goes. And my, my invitation to you is help us build. 
help us rebuild uh, for, for the year 2022. Uh, it's going to be hard, but here are, here are ways that you can help, like right now. Number one, download, if you're part of our church family, download the Church Center app. Uh, and then you, you, you create an account and you look for Sojourn Church and you get yourself connected with Sojourn Church. Through that app already right now, there is some content that you can have access to. You can set up giving. You can do one-time giving or set up regular giving. Um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good resource. But in the very near future, there's going to be some additions and some customizations to that app. And one of the things that's going to be in that app is a church directory. And you are going to get to determine how much information you want on that directory and how much information you don't want on that directory. But it will be a resource for us as a church family to actually create better connection, better networking uh, between our church family. And so, you, you know, your information will not be on there if you don't want it to be. Uh, but if you want it to be, this, 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 um, the, the, uh, the church app will actually open up uh, really good opportunities to, to connect. Number two, uh, volunteer. Sign up at the, at the Sojourn Kids Table. Uh, number three, fill out the survey at sojourntrivers.com slash volunteer. If you go to that website, there's a little survey, and there's places that we are in need of volunteers. And honestly, if you say, I don't really have a passion here, then be a utility player. Seriously, check all of them. Just check all of them and let us figure out where the greatest needs are, and we will, uh, we, we will reach back out to you. Um, it, it takes, I know I said it takes about 50 uh, kids volunteers over the course of needing to be in the rotation, but it takes like 50 human beings for all of the ministries at Sojourn to run full force at any given service. And so we, we, we just, that, that before that wasn't a problem, it is now. And, uh, and we, we, need your, we need your help. Number four, um, if you're going to volunteer, I'd ask you to download a second app, and it's called the Services app. And it's connected to the church app, but you might not think this is helpful information for a Sunday morning, but it is. Um, it, it's called Services, and we are going to consolidate all of our communication with our volunteers into this app. Now, you can set it up to email you. If you like email, you can figure out creative ways. Like It gives you options. Um, but one of our challenges has been that communication from, from, from leadership down has often been in various, uh, some people text, some people email, some people use, use the phone, if you can believe that. Um, and and this, this app is going to be the place where you'll be fully informed, where you'll be able to know what's going on, what, when you should be there, when you're scheduled. You can black out dates and say, I can't serve on these Sundays. Uh, so the services app is going to be a huge resource if you're volunteering uh, at, at, at our church. And these are, these are just practical things that's going to make it easier for you to get involved uh, and, and stay involved. So I know we're out of time, but I want to ask, just finish with this. Uh, I know I said it's going to take a lot of concerted effort, uh, especially over the next four months. And, and I, I kind of wonder if the question rolling through your mind is like, is it worth it? Um, because you, you, you may say, man, like, I don't know. I don't like a lot of energy, a lot of concerted effort. I'm not sure um, if I want to do that. And I understand if that's, if that's uh, something that you're experiencing or feeling. So here's, here's the deal. We, we are one church out of many churches in our area who love Jesus, who teach the Bible, who want people who are far from God to find out about God, who want their neighbors to hear the gospel for the first time. And in that sense, we are not unique. By God's grace, there are just, I mean, dozens of other congregations in this region gathered right now doing something very, very similar to what we're doing. And so in that sense, like we, we, we are not that unique. But we do believe that God has started to stir in our hearts and maybe has already opened some doors of opportunity to minister in, in spaces that are not easy to minister in and that are not given much attention by the average evangelical church. And I don't, I don't want to get into specifics on that right now. We hope to share more about that during our vision series in, in November. But let me just say, we believe with some great intentionality and some clear prioritization that there are some pretty amazing opportunities that sit in front of us as a church. And I guess I'm going to say, I'm asking you to hang with us over these next four months as we as a church try to get our ducks in a row and we try to get running on, on all cylinders. Our, our prayer is that Sojourn would be a better place a year from now than it was before COVID. And I cannot guarantee that everything's going to turn out okay. I, there's no way to guarantee that. 
Um, but giving it the good old college try, I think, honors God. It honors each other. And it's a way for us to, to, to take a shot at uh, inviting people into deeper relationship with God and to love people more, more effectively. And we want to be a church that blesses our community. We often use the phrase that we want to be a church not for ourselves. And so it, 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 takes, a, it takes a group to, to create that culture. It takes a group to live that way. Um, and we want to reveal that Jesus is the one true hope of the world. So we're not the only church in Traverse City. We're not the only church that preaches um, what Jesus says in Mark chapter 1. But we are part of what God's doing in the world. We are a real place with real people and real opportunities to work together in our pursuit of following Jesus in the lives of faith and action. We are a place that wants to live out the whole gospel so that we know and love God. That's the gospel of the cross, that we participate in God's putting it right project, the gospel of the kingdom. And we both know God's love for us and we love people like crazy. That's the gospel of grace. I would say that kind of thing is worth giving your life for. And I hope you do. And I hope that this church is a place where you can see yourself pursuing it. If you do, I would really ask that you seriously consider jumping in and volunteering, especially over these next four months. Let me close with these verses. They were read in our, in our uh, liturgy this morning. This is Psalm 116, 12 through 14 from the message. These were not read in our liturgy this morning. Um, Psalm 116, 12 through 14. What can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? You know, you know what the psalmist is saying? The answer is nothing. There's nothing I can do. The only legitimate response is joyful gratitude. So what, what can I give back? Nothing. So I'll lift high a cup of salvation, a toast to God. I'll pray in the name of God. I'll complete what I promised God I'd do, and I'll do it together with his people. You know, the psalmist is not trying to earn anything. The psalmist is simply saying, look at what God's done for me. Like, this isn't a payback. I'm going to toast him. I'm going to celebrate him. I'm going to respond with joyful gratitude to the unspeakable kindness of God. Let's do that with him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, this little family talk or this long family talk and, and the stuff that has happened over these last 18 months and the stuff that sits in front of us and all the questions and um, the, the, maybe the, some of the relational stress or strain that's been experienced over this time. God, we thank you that you are, uh, that you are uh, a God who sits on a throne, that this world is not spinning out of control, and that in, in some very real ways, this is an invitation for us to be about your work in the world in a more intentional way. So God, we ask for your help. God, I ask for partnership and for, uh, for people who are uh, able and willing to, to volunteer, especially for these next four months. Uh, and God, that we might see your glory spread in this city and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.